0: Welcome back into another edition of TCM Pod. Chris Mathis here with you guys as always, as well as Spencer Mathis on the other side to my right as you guys are watching or listening right now. And obviously NFL playoffs are here uh, just a couple of hours away from kickoff for the doubleheader today and then tomorrow a couple of games and then Monday night we have the uh, wild card. Uh super wild card nightcap, if you will, with the Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa. Monday night football 8:30, 815 kickoff. Should be an exciting game there at Raymond James Stadium. Could be Tom Brady's final game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We'll get more into that here as we move along with the games. But as you guys know, each and every episode of TCM Pod brought to you by Information on Demand. My friends over at Information on Demand will take care of you whether you need criminal background checks drug screenings, e-verification, academic accreditations, or other screening services. They've got you covered. It doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, if you're in Georgia, New York State, California, Colorado, anywhere in the continental United States, better yet, anywhere in the United States, they'll take care of you guys. And to my friends, the information on demand, with them, you'll be able to rest easy knowing a highly trained search team will get you the information you need in just eight hours or less. That's right. Eight hours or less. Information on Demand, they're fast, they're accurate, and they bring affordable pre-employment background screening services. Give them a call today at 855-914-4636. That's 855-914-4636. Or visit them at informationondemand.net. That's information on demand, and they'll take care of you guys. And we'll take care of you guys in terms of uh, NFL playoff action that gets underway here later on this afternoon. Should be a great doubleheader. A lot of uh, question marks. There could be a potential upset uh, on Sunday, I'll say, with one game. But, Spence, we're going to dive right into this playoff talk. Seattle at San Francisco, 430 kickoff. San Francisco 49ers are favored by nine and a half points there at home against Seattle.
1: Yeah, it's a large favorite between the two teams, both in the NFC West, of course. They've already played each other twice this year. I'm not sure the record, but I'm pretty sure it's 49ers 2-0 and against the Seahawks so far this season. The Seahawks really don't stack up that well against the 49ers. The 49ers are one of the best uh, well-built teams in the entire NFL, and I think they're going to go on a pretty big run as long as Brock Purdy, the, uh, the rookie Mr. Irrelevant, can, can continue to play like he's played. Like right there you see the stats, 1,374 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, one rush touchdown. I mean, he's, he's had an incredible season. He's a very good uh, managing quarterback, and that's all you need to be in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And if you can take care of the football, unlike Jimmy Garoppolo, he could not take care of the football. That was his major downfall. I think that Brock Purdy is the guy right now in San Francisco. And they're not really locked into him either because eventually Trey Lance will come back from his injury. I think still they're gonna prioritize the guy that they spent a first-round pick on over Brock Purdy, unless they want to pull what the Cardinals did in 2019, 2020 with uh Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen, in which they just trade away Josh Rosen, who was the first-round pick the year prior. With this, it wouldn't be as it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter as much because I feel like They don't have that much invested in Trey Lance. Like They've tried him out. He wasn't great. He played okay. He got injured very quickly. Purdy's already outplayed him. He's played four or five games. He destroyed the Buccaneers. He's had a great season so far for San Francisco in just the month that he's been playing. So he's going to be playing a Seattle Seahawks defense. Not very great. Not a great defense. They don't have a good pass rush. They've got some good linebackers. They've got a good safety in Diggs. They've got a good cornerback in Tariq Woolen. But other than that, the rest of their secondary is just not shored up. You have the 49ers who have playmakers all over the place with uh, Kittle, Debo Samuel. Also, you have Christian McCaffrey. They've got another good running back in the backfield behind him. So, I think the 49ers are the most stacked up team in the NFL right now. And they've also got a great defense. They're going against Geno Smith, who hasn't played uh, a playoff game ever. So, it's going to be tough for Geno Smith out there. The away team, they're supposedly going to be fav- they're they're going to be up 10-0 as the game starts, basically with that uh, nine point nine and a half point favorite uh, in favor of the 49ers. So. I don't, think, I don't think it's going to be that, that big of a discrepancy in the score between these two teams, but since it is an NFC West rivalry game, I think that this should be a closer game. We'll see. It's, got, it's going to come down to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Geno Smith, uh, Kenneth Walker, their rookie running backs has had an incredible season. But that 49ers def- uh, the 49ers defense is a tall task, so it's going to be tough for the Seahawks to move the ball at all, especially on the road. So in this game, I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not going to go with the 10-point spread or the 9.5. I'm going to say uh, 49ers by 8. 49ers by eight, and you look at their previous matchups. Of
0: course, they have played twice this year. San Francisco beat Seattle 27 to 7 in week two, very early in the season. Then later on in the year, uh, week 15, San Francisco beat the Seattle Seahawks 21 to 13, which is an eight point differential, as you just alluded to, Spence. And uh, Geno Smith trying to pick up his first playoff win of his career. He had a fantastic season here in his first year as starter of the Seattle Seahawks after they lost what they thought was their franchise quarterback. He was their franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. They traded him to Denver. He goes to Denver. He wets the bet, and Geno Smith dominates here for the Seattle Seahawks. Granted, Geno has caught off a little bit, but either way, Geno Smith, 30 passing touchdowns, just 11 interceptions on the year, 4,282 passing yards on the season. On the flip side, you look at Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick. And the NFL draft. He's uh, got 1,374 passing yards, 13 passing touchdowns, just four picks, and six games played, as you can see right there uh, on the screen. And he does have a rushing touchdown, too. So Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, has stepped up to the plate. He has rung that bell. I think for San Francisco, he does get the job done. They are at home. It is a nine-and-a-half-point spread. I'll give him that nine-and-a-half-point spread. I think they win by... Uh, maybe 10, 11 points or so. Uh, And also on top of that, I know that uh, that San Francisco eventually will fall. At some point, this kid has to break. It's just a matter of when. I don't think it happens at home against Seattle. I think it'll have to be against a more uh, composed, more experienced opponent in the playoffs, maybe uh, such as uh, Tom Brady, maybe somebody of that nature, not a Geno Smith who, as you said, has never played in a playoff game Obviously, playing the majority of his games as a starting quarterback in the league with the New York Jets. So, I guess Spence. In order for Seattle to win this football game on the road, what are two or three things that stick out to you that they have to rely on that has to fall into place for them to come away with a, a huge upset on the road in Santa Clara, California at four thirty?
1: Yeah, I just, I just don't think I, I don't, I don't see the Seahawks winning this game in any in any way possible. It's like the uh, Doctor Strange thing from the from Infinity War of the Avengers. I, I think there's like a billion scenarios. I see one way the Seahawks can win this game, and it's if uh, I'm not going to say what what would have to happen for the Seahawks to win this game, but I just don't foresee it. The only chance I'll give them is if Kenneth Walker just absolutely runs all over the 49ers, but I think that San Francisco has the uh, offensive power to really keep up with any, any amount of points that the Seahawks are going to put up on that defense, which should not be a lot because – that defense is very good, a great pass rush, Bosa defensive end. You've got a great linebacker as well in Fred Warner. You've got a good defensive tackle as well. I mean, their secondary is good. That's just probably the, the most well-built team in the NFL. It's going to come down to the rookie quarterback, but I don't think he's going to have to do that much. So right now it's looking a lot like the, uh, the Patriots in Brady's first season as a, as a starting quarterback in which he doesn't have to be doing that much. All he has to do is take care of the football, put up 250 passing yards a game, maybe two touchdowns, and don't turn the ball over. And I think that they could really just go ahead and win the whole thing with that defense.
0: Yeah. Seattle coming off of a overtime victory, 19 to 16 over the LA Rams last week. Again, I'll take San Francisco in this game. Uh, I do think they had the best roster overall in the playoffs. Uh, obviously on the flip side in the AFC, the Buffalo bills would like to argue with that, but I think San Francisco just edges out their roster in terms of star power, huge game as well. 8:15 15 nightcap between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a battle of two young quarterbacks that are really, really good, that have uh, the potential, the capability to, let's say, in two or three years to really run the NFL and be the kings of the NFL in terms of the passing stats. These guys should be top two, top three, top five quarterbacks in the NFL, of course, So with the likes of, say, a Joe Burrow, a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes. But these guys are just below those guys. I'm talking about uh, Justin Herbert with the Los Angeles Chargers and, of course, Trevor Lawrence with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And The Jaguars are now – the line has changed a little bit since Friday morning. The line is now two points. Jaguars uh, are home underdogs to the Chargers. It was two and a half. So something changed, nothing major, but something changed in regard to this game. And I I do want to think that it has to do with Mike Williams, the Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver being ruled out due to an injury that he suffered in a, in a game last week that he really shouldn't have been playing at Spence.
1: Yeah, I think both of these quarterbacks are very similar. I think Herbert and, and Trevor Lawrence kind of struggle with the same thing. They had subpar years, but you look at the team around them, uh, I think that the, if, if Herbert was on a better team than, than the Chargers right now, he'd be in a much better place. This is his playoff debut He's going against uh, a good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who is just so similar to him. They have very similar numbers. Lawrence has 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Herbert with 25 touchdowns, ten interceptions. Uh, but without Mike Williams at receiver, I think this Jaguars team is a team that can uh, just take out a team like the Chargers, who just I think the Chargers are not a top four team in the AFC. So I think this is a game that the Jaguars can easily win against this uh, this Chargers squad, especially with Mike Williams being out. You have uh, Trevor Lawrence making his debut. He's had a very good second season under Doug Peterson as their head coach. Peterson, once again if you can remember, is the was the Eagles' head coach in 2017 when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So he has some experience in the playoffs. You look over at the Chargers' head coach Staley, he has no experience as a head coach in the playoffs. We've seen him in the in the uh, in the past run that team out of games, going for it on fourth downs and twos, not getting it, going for two-point conversions when they don't need to. I mean, if they, if they trusted their kicker last year they would have been in the playoffs. That that Raiders game took them out of the playoffs in week 17. So I think that I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Jaguars in this game. I think they've got a better head coach. I think the Jaguars are a team that can really take out a team like the Chargers, who just are not a great squad. Neither are the Jaguars, though. I think either one of these teams are second-round exits, but I'm going to take Jacksonville in this one. Yeah,
0: obviously, Jacksonville, the home team, too. They looked like they had some things rolling there last week in primetime against the Tennessee Titans. They slowed down uh, Derrick Henry enough. Obviously, Derrick Henry had, I think, nearly 30 touches in that football game, and they were able to uh, limit him to his yardage and yards per carry. Did not look like the typical Derrick uh, Henry that we see in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars did a pretty good job. They did just enough last week to stop Derrick Henry and pick up a victory 20-16 to over the Titans. And what I thought was eventually going to be an overtime game. And uh, Pat Donovan, Aaron Jacobson, they were all ticked off at me that I was uh, hoping it went into overtime. It looked like it was going into overtime. It did not. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've won five consecutive games. And you look at their past five opponents. We talk about the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Texans, New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys, 40-34, to and then the Tennessee Titans again just before that. So a nice little stretch there for uh, Trevor Lawrence, the young quarterback there in Jacksonville, the second-year quarterback. And he'll go head-to-head with uh, Justin Herbert. Do you think this game and a performance – a great performance from either of these two guys uh, could push one guy over the other in terms of where they're at right now. Obviously Justin Herbert been in the league a a year longer than Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence a year younger than Herbert, I believe, or at least in terms of play. And this is practically uh, Lawrence's first real year in terms of having a real quarterback. But do you feel like if one quarterback outplays the other, they could jump in quarterback rankings
1: as far as, Hey, maybe Trevor Lawrence is better than Justin Herbert. No, I think either way, Justin Herbert's a better quarterback right now than Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence had a very good second season. Like you said, this is basically his rookie season last year. Whenever he had Urban Myers as his head coach, he struggled through more interceptions and touchdowns, was not good last season. This year, he really he, he got away from that turnover bug, at least in terms of interceptions. He fumbled a good amount this season as well, but he also ran a lot. So I think right now, you've got to go with Justin Herbert as a better quarterback. He's been in the league for three years. He's impressed each and every year. This year, a little bit of a downfall from last year, but last year they're not in the playoffs this year they are so i don't think that there's a way that herbert can fall behind trevor lawrence in terms of quarterback rankings from this game i still think herbert is a top 10 quarterback i don't think trevor lawrence has reached that upper echelon yet of the top 10 quarterbacks like herbert has so i'm gonna say lawrence regardless unless he unless he absolutely dominates throws four touchdowns 400 yards and they ended up they end up beating the chargers on like a last second touchdown i think Either way, Lawrence is not going to be a top ten quarterback after this game. After just his first real season in the NFL, he's definitely not going to be up there with Justin Herbert yet.
0: Yeah, and obviously, I think Herbert's a great quarterback. He's yet to win a playoff game. Hopefully, well, I don't know. I'm kind of pulling for Trevor Lawrence in this instance here uh, in this game to cap off uh, Saturday's NFL playoff games. Now, the Jaguars did beat the uh, the Jaguars did beat the Chargers 38 to 10 in Week Three of the year. Uh, week three of the season, obviously you don't put too much stock into that because it was so early in the year. They probably didn't think much of the Jaguars. They didn't think much of Trevor Lawrence in year two with Doug Peterson as the head coach. But 38-10 to 10 says a lot about the Jaguars in that first game. And looking here at the stats, uh, Trevor Lawrence had three passing touchdowns in that victory, 262 passing yards. And uh, Justin Herbert did not play so well. He threw the ball 45 times. Nearly 300 yards, but just one passing touchdown and an interception in that game, too. And it looked like the Chargers were unable to get that rushing attack going as Sony Michelle was the leading running back, 22 yards. I'm not even sure if he's even on a roster right now. I think he got cut two or three weeks ago. Uh, but the Jaguars just shut down Derrick Henry last week as much as they could. So for that reason, I'll take the Jaguars. They're two-point home dogs. They are at home. I think Justin, Justin Herbert falls to Trevor Lawrence and this game against the Jaguars. Uh, and then looking at Sunday's games, we've got the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins with what should be an absolute uh, blowout of a football game. Skyler Thompson, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. It's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's not uh, a guy by the name of Tua Tonga He's not playing. He's concussed. And Josh Allen on the other side, and they're obviously playing for Tamar Hamlin, their teammate that got Uh, knocked out cardiac arrest on the field just uh, about two weeks ago at this point. But we saw it last week. They had two kickoff returns, I believe, in their last game since Hamlin passed away. Is that right? Yeah. Two kickoff returns playing for DeMar Hamlin, and here they are now in the playoffs. They're taking on Josh Allen. Uh, it's, It's in Orchard Park. It should be cold. It will be cold. The Miami Dolphins, it's just like the old talks with the Buccaneers. They can't play. Uh, you know, below 32 degrees, will they be able to do so against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills? Stephon Diggs, this team is loaded, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I just don't see the Miami Dolphins being able to compete in this ball game, much less win this win this game. They're 13 and a half point underdog bench the Buffalo
1: Bills uh, at at Orchard Park. Yeah, usually whenever you see 13 and a half points in any NFL game, you're kind of you're you're looking at it like that's there's no way that's going to happen. But here. The Buffalo Bills hosting a team for Miami. They're really at their third string quarterback in in Thompson. I mean, you had Tua, you had uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Now you're at Thompson, who has one touchdown, three interceptions on the season, just over 500 yards. But he's had a ton of starts. He's a rookie quarterback. This is going to be an absolute blowout. I think the only way that the Dolphins could win this game is if Josh Allen somehow throws five interceptions and four of those go back for pick sixes because I'm going to go with the Bills in this game. And I'm going to take... The, uh, the spread that they already have here. I, I think the Bills are going to win this one by more than 14 points easily. Yeah, we talk about this matchup. They've already played twice. And this team,
0: you know, they have split with each other throughout the regular season. But it was early on in the year in which the Dolphins beat the Bills uh, because two was playing his best football. It looked like Mike McDaniel was the answer there for the Miami Dolphins. Now there's talk like, hey, you know, if he loses this game with where the Dolphins are at right now, having lost, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five of their last six games, there's been some rumbles about maybe they move on from him. I think that's ridiculous, uh, especially after he finally got some production from Tua after Tua had a, a terrible start to his NFL career. Sure, Tua's hurt. He's got a concussion. He's had concussion problems all season. At least two, I think, have been documented this year. But he's probably had three or four. Uh, I don't think you could fault Mike McDaniel for that. Obviously, when they were playing their best ball, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they were all doing their thing. But I just don't think that the Dolphins have any shot in this game. Skyler Thompson, one passing touchdown, three picks in the season, 534 yards on over 100 passing attempts. Uh, that's not too well. Uh, that doesn't bode well here for the Miami Dolphins. I think they fall short in this game, and I'm not surprised if it is a game in which maybe they could pull Josh Allen in the fourth quarter or something of that nature if they're up by uh, two scores or more. But uh, it should be an interesting game just to see how the Bills are able to play at home and take advantage of having that home field advantage. We know that they were supposed to play the Bengals uh, two weeks ago, but that game got postponed and eventually canceled after DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field, needed a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, needed to be revived on the field, I believe, twice in order to survive. He was sent home earlier this week, which is incredible. Just uh, I believe it was Wednesday he was sent home from the hospital just 10 days after that insane incident. And again, the guy, 24 years old, he's my age. I can't imagine. Now, the game that I have my eyes on, and and Ronnie Lane here at WDAE also has his eyes on this game, is uh, the Giants and the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings are three-point favorites over the Giants, a 4.30 kickoff tomorrow. Should be an interesting game because uh, Danny Dimes, as you like to say, Danny Pennies, has had a pretty good year in terms of limiting turnovers, he's only had five or fifteen passing touchdowns, five interceptions on the season. But uh, Saquon Barkley is back; he's healthy. And then on the flip side, you've got Kirk Cousins, twenty-nine passing touchdowns, fourteen picks on the year. Both quarterbacks have a quarterback rating of ninety-two point five. And obviously, with the spread being at three points, Spence Minnesota, the home
1: team. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, this is my second favorite game of the of, of this week. Uh, other than the Buccaneers, Cowboys, which we'll go into later, but the, the game before this one is is the one that's going to be just not even close. You don't even want to watch it. The game after this one is one that you really don't want to watch either because of the quarterback situation in both of those games. And this one, you've got Danny Dimes versus Kirk Cousins. Uh, like you said, Danny Dimes has done a good job limiting turnovers. He's ran for 700 yards and a couple of, and a good amount of seven, I think seven touchdowns on the season. Uh, just the 3,200 passing yards, but if you look at their targets, I mean. They, don't have very, they do not have good receiving threats at all. Their number one receiver is Darius Slayton. He has two touchdowns on the year, and Ooh. he averages three receptions a game. So that team does, just, that team does not have any, any weapons around Daniel Jones. I don't think he's a good quarterback, but Saquon Barkley has really been the one to carry him. Their defense has been decent. Uh, they do not get a lot of interceptions or force a lot of turnovers. So that's going to be tough because that's how you're going to kick out Kirk Cousins of the playoffs. And this game's going to be a daytime game, at least for the first half. So you're not going to see the Kirk Cousins in the nighttime, which you will yeah, next week. Hard. This week, I'm going to have to go with the Vikings just because they've got better weapons. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, they've got a new tight end in Hawkinson that they haven't really used that much so far this season. But I think he'll play a big part in their playoff run. Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley have both ran for over 1,000 yards a season. Dalvin Cook at like 1,100. Barkley over 1,300. The, the only way I can see the Giants win in this game is if Saquon Barkley... Runs for 100 yards and and receives for 80-plus yards because the weapons that Danny Dimes has, if he can't get out of the pocket, which the Vikings should be able to contain him inside the pocket, if he can't get out, I think this game is going to be over. But I don't think it's going to be over quick. I think this is going to be the second-best game of the week. I'm going to go with the Vikings in this game with the exact spread that they have. Yeah, three points. Okay, should be an interesting game there.
0: I'm going to take – I think we could see an upset. I'm going to go with the Giants. Three-point underdogs. I'm going to take the Giants. I I do see – why the Vikings are the favorites. They're 13 and four. The Giants have uh, cooled off over the last five games. They've only won two games over the last five after an incredible start. But this could be a game where Minnesota maybe does look overlook uh, Danny Dines, maybe does overlook uh, the Giants and the fact that they have no receivers. Darius Slayton, their leading receiver, uh, I thought that guy was out of the NFL by now. Uh, they brought in a guy, I'm blinking on the name, from Detroit, Uh man was supposed to have a big year this year fell apart and he's like 67 catches away from his uh, incentives on his contract Kenny Galladay uh was the guy I'm talking about he's had a terrible year he got paid big bucks he got paid like a wide receiver number two and the guy is awful um and he's been a locker room cancer all throughout the year we talked about that guy week four week five where he was talking about the fact that he wasn't getting the football now we know why he's just not a team player. Uh, if he was, maybe they'd be, you know, maybe eleven and five or something of this, of this nature. Because they're nine and seven with him not doing anything. So I can only imagine if he was able to contribute in any way. But I will take the Giants on the road against Minnesota in this football game. Continuing here with uh, Sunday's matchups, the Cincinnati Bengals they'll host the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are eight and a half point road underdogs. Lamar Jackson a no go and. We know the drama that comes with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if a lot of people view it as drama, but I personally do. The way he handles his social media accounts, the way he uh, wants the attention, he tweets about money bags. He had his old profile photo of uh, a grill with money on his grill, on his teeth, and uh, wanting to get paid big. And he does deserve to get paid, but at the same time, number one uh, asset playing in football or any sport in the professional level or at any level really is – availability and this guy stays hurt and I say that because he's always banked up and he's not playing this week because of it he's missed several of the biggest matchups for the Ravens over his entire career against the Pittsburgh Steelers I believe he's missed five uh, rivalry matchup against the Steelers throughout his career which is crazy he's only been in the league what uh, I think for maybe seven or eight of those matchups but Lamar took the Twitter on Thursday and said Thank you for everyone for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I'm in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade two sprain on the borderline of a strain three. There's still inflammation surrounding my knee and my, uh, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give hundred percent of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we have a chance. Uh, so Lamar Jackson and no-go this week, that's huge because on the other side, you've got Joe Burrow, Joe Cool. This guy is phenomenal. He was just in the Super Bowl last year. He knows what it takes to win a playoff game. I'm scared if I'm uh, the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday.
1: Yeah, this game should, should be a close game, but it's not going to because they're not having Lamar Jackson on the field. The Ravens, if they have Lamar Jackson, would be probably one of the best teams to watch out for in the AFC because... They have such a good rushing attack. They're they're one of the best running teams in the NFL each and every year. And that I think right now they're second or third this season in rush yards per game. And they're not even, they don't even have Lamar Jackson. They haven't had him for basically half the season. They've had Huntley at quarterback. They've had a couple of other players at quarterback. This week, I do not see them having a chance. Even though they have one of the best defenses, one of the best rushing attacks, unless Burrow makes a ton of a, a ton of mistakes. Which one game this season in the beginning of the year, Week One, Burrow threw four interceptions. So if he can throw four interceptions in this game. I could see the Ravens winning, but I don't see that, and I don't want the Ravens to win because I'd much rather see the Bengals go further down the playoff stretch because I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be back anytime soon. Same thing with Tua. I hope I hope the, uh, the Dolphins do not somehow upset the Bills. So in this one, I'm going to take the Bengals. I'm going to go a little bit less in the spread, though, of nine just because that Ravens defense is so good. I'm going to go with the Bengals in this game by seven, but I'll take the Ravens uh, with the spread.
0: Yeah, give me the Ravens uh, to fall in this game. I'm going to go with the spread. I think the Bengals absolutely dominate at home. Uh, T. Higgins just went through some stuff. Obviously, he was the guy that uh, Hamlin hit whenever he suffered that cardiac arrest on the field just about two weeks ago at this point. But I think that the Ravens are going to uh, look awful on the road against Cincinnati. It could be close for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, simply because teams are trying to fill each other out. They don't have too much film on the Ravens' quarterback, Huntley, but at the same time, it is a division rivalry matchup. It is a playoff game. It's going to be cold there in Cincinnati, as it always is in the month of January. Uh, But I will take the Ravens to fall in this one to the Bengals. I think the Bengals have what it takes. Last year, they came up short to the Rams. And either the Rams or the Bengals at this point this season – Looking back after the Super Bowl, I thought that the Rams would be the team that still have a shot to, to make it back to the promised land. But, in fact, the Rams and their wheels fell off the bus. The Bengals actually have the best shot. They have the only shot because the Rams are not in the playoffs, and I'm totally surprised by the fact that the Bengals are still here. I thought last year was kind of a fluke with everything that went down. McPherson knocked down several key last-minute kicks to head into the playoffs. And, obviously, during the playoffs, too, give me the Ravens in this game. And the game that I'm most interested in, and obviously a little bit of bias, but not much because I witness greatness. I know greatness when I see it. It's like LeBron James. You love him or you hate him, you do have to appreciate the GOAT Tom Brady. Uh, And Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they will host Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys uh, on Monday Night Football. Could this be Tom Brady's final game in the NFL? Could this be Tom Brady's final game with the Buccaneers? It could go either way depending on uh, win or loss. We'll have to see. 45-year-old quarterback. Spence, before we talk about the line, how do you feel about this game between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys Monday night? Raymond James Stadium. The Buccaneers don't even have a winning
1: record, but here they are. They're hosting a playoff game. Yeah, this is going to be an uphill battle for the Buccaneers. They they basically trail in every single statistical category when you're comparing the regular season between these two teams. One thing you look out for is CeeDee Lamb. Before the season started, I didn't know if he could be a, a number one receiver in the NFL. He showed he could. Over 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns this season as the primary target for Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush whenever he had to play a little bit. He, Cooper Rush played really good whenever, whenever the Buccaneers knocked out Prescott in week one in that victory. But like they say, every time you play a, a team twice, especially whenever you're playing that team in the playoffs, it's going to be tough to win the second time around. And the Buccaneers were the one to win the first game. I think both of these teams are completely different from the start of the year. I don't think anyone expected Tony Pollard to be the leading rusher for the Cowboys this year with over 1,000 yards. You had Ezekiel Elliott with over 800 yards this season as well, so they almost had two 1,000-yard rushers. I'm sure if Dak Prescott would have missed a couple more games, we probably would have seen that, but instead you have two guys. It's, it's like the Panthers' backfield uh, in, the, in the 2010s with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. Both of these guys can run the ball. They're both very different styles. Tony Pollard can also catch the ball out of the backfield. Zeke Elliott with a, a pretty good season, averaging a good amount of yards per carry. I think almost five yards or above five this season. So it's going to be tough for the Buccaneers to win this game. If you're looking solely at the regular season stats, at the records, the Cowboys are by far the better team, three games better than the Buccaneers. Even though the Bucs beat the Cowboys in week one, that's like I said, that's two separate teams. But then on the other side, if you're the Cowboys, you're looking at the quarterback on the opposing on the opposing sideline, and that's Tom Brady. And Anytime you have Tom Brady in the playoffs, it's going to be tough. He's going to be a tough out, but – this could be like the 2019 season for Tom Brady against the Tennessee Titans in which they lost in that, in that game, a very lackluster game out of Brady. He looked bad. He looked like his career was over. Uh, instead. He goes, he goes to Tampa the next year after getting knocked out by the Titans, winning a Super Bowl. the next year, they had a chance against the Rams. Todd Bowles runs the, the cover zero blitz, loses the game after a 27 point comeback this year. I don't know. I really don't know who to pick in this game because I think both of these teams are very evenly matched. The Buccaneers defense has really turned it around as the season has gone on, but the Buccaneers offense really hasn't flipped the switch as much as you would like to see. The only time we've really seen the Buccaneers offense dominate in a game this season was against Carolina in week 17 in which the offense really didn't do anything until the second half. I mean, they were down 14-0. to They had to come back. They ended up winning the game, but they were trailing for most of that game, and I think I could see the Buccaneers playing from behind a lot in this game unless Brady and the boys can get a good quick start not sure, though. I mean, the Buccaneers defense, if they can catch the football, the cornerbacks, which they haven't been able to so far this season with Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean dropping picks, uh, Winfield not catching any interceptions this season besides week one. That was against Dak Prescott. This year, Prescott has thrown 15 interceptions. He missed at least four or five games, so the Buccaneers have a chance here if they can catch the football on the defensive side of the, fo- uh, on the, defensive side of the ball. You can see Dak Prescott turn the ball over a couple of times. It's going to come down to the rushing attack for the Cowboys, which they have the upper hand by far against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are one of the worst rushing teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's bad. the first, yeah, throughout the, before the bye week, they were the worst team in NFL history running the football in, in yards per game average. Right now, they're thirty second in the, in the NFL at the end of the regular season in rushing yards per game with seventy six. So, it's a two headed backfield. Ryan Jensen's back. We'll see how they uh, change around the offensive line. Yeah, it hasn't been activated yet, yeah, though. Yeah, it's going to come down to uh, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette in this game. As long as Brady can take care of the football, the Bucks have a chance. But uh, in this game, I'm going to have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they're the better team. I think – I just do not expect the Buccaneers to win this game unless unless the Bucs go down by 14 early on and Brady starts to lead the boys back and the defense starts to sure things up. But it's going to come down to Dak Prescott. Like a lot of these games, the quarterbacks are just going to have to make a ton of mistakes for a team like the Buccaneers, who are 8-9, and nine, the worst record in the in the NFL in the playoffs this year, 8-9, and nine, I think one of only five or – if they win the game, they'd be one of only four or five teams ever to win a playoff game with a losing record. So I don't foresee the Buccaneers winning this game. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys just because I think they're the better team. The Buccaneers
0: two and a half point home underdogs as well, which is crazy because it is Tom Brady. It is at Raymond James stadium here in Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, want to shout out my friend, captain Mike Perry there in uh, big pine key. He tunes in all the time. He messaged me on Facebook and says that he tunes in and, Uh, He's a big fan of uh, the Ronnie and T. Kraz as well, uh, Ronnie and T. Kraz show as well. I appreciate you, Captain Mike. Uh, Really awesome stuff, Captain Mike Mike Perry. He always uh, tuned in with us. But I'm sure that he's going to agree with me on this. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. It's Tom Brady, potentially his final game as a Buccaneer. If he does lose, it probably is. Uh, If he wins, I think, well, obviously he'll go on. But uh, I could see. I could see Tom returning next year. I just don't know if it is in Tampa Bay. At the same time, I think, hey, he's 45. If he does return, it would be best if he stuck with the Buccaneers, if he brought in his own offensive coordinator of his choosing. But it does seem like Byron Leftwich and him have a great chemistry, which is crazy because Leftwich is such a bad signal caller. He's terrible at um, you know, play calling, I should say. Uh, Tom Brady, a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. We've seen Tom Brady. The Bucs have won eight games, Spencer, Five of those eight games have been Tom Brady fourth quarter comebacks. I think Tom Brady gets it done. Earlier on the show today, Ronnie and T. we spoke with uh, Brad Johnson. He said he would not be surprised if Tom Brady threw the ball 50 to 55 times in this game because the Bucs cannot run the football. We know that the playoffs, you really have to rely on that rushing attack to build off and have time for your quarterback to sit there and throw in the pocket, especially with a 45 year old quarterback and Tom Brady. I'm going with the Buccaneers in this game. I I think I'm obviously in the minority in this one, but I saw and heard some stats. The Cowboys are terrible when it goes from uh, their play on artificial turf. They're phenomenal. When they translate to real grass, they're really bad. Like the numbers are astronomical. I think that Micah Parsons has 11 and a half sacks on artificial turf and one sack or one and a half sacks on grass. Uh, The team total sacks. Uh, on artificial grass was like 45 or 46 on real grass. It was less than 22 sacks this year. So there's something there as far as uh, footing for the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing at Raymond James stadium. It will be a night game. Give me the Buccaneers. Give me Tom Brady at home Monday night football. I will be there. I hope the Buccaneers win so I can ask Tom Brady a good question or two. If they lose, uh, I'd have to ask Tom Brady a very interesting question and I don't want to do that. So, Uh, I appreciate Spencer's feedback. I appreciate all of your guys' feedback. Spence, any final comments here as we close out the super wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs? No. That's it. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. Shout out to Chetley Cox. A couple of you guys, the Pew brothers, uh, Steven Piero. He always watches, of course, uh, Captain Mike Perry as well, and many more. Go go follow us on Twitter at TCM underscore pod. Oh, Yeah. Nick Crouch, dude, my guy, much love. Probably the biggest, besides uh, Mama might be out there listening right now. She's she's up there too. But Nick Crouch, huge, huge fan of TCM Pod. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. We're talking some more playoffs, and we'll have Talk to Him Tuesday guest in the works. Could we get Yusuf Mugerville, former uh, Florida Gator, who's now at Colorado with Deion Sanders to join the podcast? You'll have to find out. Follow our social media at TCM underscore pod.